Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in our fourth day on the five days of reading about contentment. And before we start our verses and our readings, let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for this time, for all that you've taught us, that you've been doing for us. I thank you for being God, for giving me life, giving me, just allowing me to be, and then loving me and taking an interest in me. I'm grateful that you gave us your son, that you've had a plan from the beginning for all of us to become part of your family again. I just thank you for filling our spirits, filling our hearts, and I just pray, Lord, that as as we go through this time of reading and as we go through our day, we would remember that you are the one who created all and deserve our praise and that you love us mightily so much that you gave your only son. I just pray that your words would be filling our hearts and our minds, that your understanding would be you know, filling our spirits, and that we would act accordingly. I pray that I would be, be completely removed from this and that you would be completely the driver, that whatever needs to be said would be said, and that your words, your spirit, your wisdom would be heard. I just pray for you to open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we're in Joel 2, 18 through 32, and then we're reading Philippians 4, verses 4 through 20. We're also going to read a small portion of Charles Spurgeon's um, his uh, sermon, number 2081. That's a lot of sermons. And uh, that was actually delivered in May 30th, on May 30th, 1886. And we're just going to read a small portion out of it. And his sermon is on one small verse out of Joel that we're reading. It's Joel 2, 25, which says, And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. <clears throat> so I just wanted to go through that quickly. Um, but let's go ahead and start with the reading, and then we'll come back to what Spurgeon has to say about the, uh, that particular verse. So, verse 18, Then the Lord was jealous for his, land and, for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely as he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains, because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent against you. 
You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. And then you will know that I am in Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never, never again will my people be shamed. Verse 28, the day of the Lord. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So it's interesting. Here, <clears throat> even here in Joel, long before John ever was born, God is prophesying and Joel is, you know, God is letting us know about the end days, how at the end times, the day of the Lord will be still salvation will be available to the people, but then the sun will be blotted out. The moon will be blotted out and his wrath will, will come from the heavens. So I think that's pretty interesting. And it's great after we've read revelations to see, you know, how when we were reading Isaiah, we saw a lot of the same uh, prophecies that were being talked about in Isaiah. And then the same thing now in Joel, we're seeing prophecies about that are being related to in Revelations. So, but let's go to Spurgeon and his commentary. It's a few paragraphs, but his comments and his ideas that he preached on, an entire sermon <laughs> about this one sentence, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. We're not going to go through the entire sermon. We're just going to go through a very small piece of it. Um, but let's go to let's go to it now. Lost years can never be restored literally. Time once passed is gone forever. Let no man make mis any mistake about this or trifle with the present moment under any notion that the flying hour will ever wing its way back to him. As well call. As well, call back the no north wind or fill again the emptied rain cloud or put back into the quiver the arrow of the Lord of, de of the day. As well bid the river which ha has hastened onward to the sea bring back its rolling floods as imagine that the years that have once gone ever can ever be restored to us. So he's just saying, hey, you know, once, once the bell's rung, it's rung, right? There's no taking it back. You can't... You can't move the wind back. You can't move the river back and put all that water back in that river. Um, it just can't be done. So it, it can't be restored to us. It will strike you at once that the locusts did not eat the years. The locusts ate the fruit of the year's labor, the harvest of the field. So the meaning of the restoration of the years must be the restoration of those fruits and of those harvests which the locusts consumed. You cannot have back your time. But there is a strange and wonderful way in which God can give back to you the wasted blessings of the unripened fruits of years over which you mourned. The fruits of wasted years may yet be yours. It is a pity that they should have been eaten by, the, by your folly and negligence. But if they have been so, be not hopeless concerning them. 
All things are possible to him that believes. There is a power which is beyond all things and can work great marvels. Who can make the all-devouring locust restore his prey? No man, by wisdom or power, can recover what has been utterly destroyed. God alone can do for you what seems impossible. And here is the promise of his grace. I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. By By giving to his repentant people larger harvest than the land could naturally yield. God could give back to them, as it were, all they would have had if the locusts had never come. And God can restore your life, which is up to now, been blighted and eaten up with the locusts and sin, by giving you divine grace in the present and in the future. He can make it complete and blessed and useful to his praise and glory. It's a great wonder, but Jehovah is a God of wonders. And in the kingdom of his grace, miracles are common things. So when I was reading that, what really struck me is when I think about people who are recently saved and what they tell me, what they say, what they tell us, they say that they're full of joy. They're full of, of comfort, of contentment. They're full of peace, things they haven't had for so long. And especially not into an overflowing way. And here they are filled to a point of no return. That they are filled to overflowing. And I just look at that. Yep, my my wealth, he's not going to just give me a bunch of money. He's not going to restore things I've lost and wasted that way. But contentment, peace, joy, he restores it to an overflowing level. And then it's on us to remember and to stay in him and not squander it again and again and again, which is, again, what my journey back to him is all about. So I just found that pretty interesting. Um, Let's go on to Philippians 4, and it starts with verse 4 and goes through 20. So it's the final exhortations. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So that really struck me when I was reading it also. What do I focus on? What do I look at all day? All day I'm looking at my work, and I'm thinking about that. Um, Some of it's great. Some of that's noble. I need to do that. But how much time am I really spending thinking about the things that are pure, the things that are admirable, the things that are lovely? Heck, when I'm on, say, Getter, I'm looking at that and I'm looking at, I'm just looking at anger. I'm looking at people who are pissed off about this current circumstance. I'm not looking at and thinking about all the things that are great about God. Therefore, how can you have contentment or peace, right? You're just, you're inundating yourself. Again, that's why I'm trying to not, and on the weekends, it's a little bit harder to just not turn on the TV. Don't turn on the TV. Don't go into the internet um, until at least noon right? That's, that's my goal is to not turn on the TV and not get inundated with the world, have my 
I have a radio playing in, on um, Sirius XM, the message, and I read and I work and I just stay away from the garbage. I stay away from bank accounts. I stay away from emails that are personal. I stay away from the texts that are, that are negative. I stay away from Twitter. I'm not even on Twitter anymore. Um, I, I stay away from Getter and Truth and everything else. I just stay away from all of that because I don't need, the, I don't need it. I stay away from Instagram because Instagram is really just soft porn and so much of it. And if it's not sexual porn, it's, you know, it's lust over stuff, right? All the boats I look at, my gosh, they're all 500,000, 700,000, a million, all the fish within the fishing equipment. Oh my goodness. That just creates a whole different level of lust for me because I love to fish. And so it's that sort of thing that I just try to stay away from. And right now I'm like, okay, big accomplishment if I don't do that you know, up until noon. So anyways, those are the things that I have to keep myself from practicing or put into practice, not thinking about those things, but thinking about these things that are praiseworthy. So verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know that it, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Yet it was good to share, good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epidoritus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrificing, a sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So with that, I'm just going to close us with a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for your words. I just pray that we would learn the secrets of contentment that are are here, that even when Paul was you know, in need, he was in jail, he was he was hungry, he was alone, he still was content. And I just pray, Father, that we learn to have you at our center, that we would focus on you, all the things that are praiseworthy, all the things that are good, that our hearts and our minds would focus on you, and that we would think about all that is good, not that what's bad, not what's wrong with the world, but that we would focus on you and have the contentment of Paul. I pray, Father, for you to be honored and glorified by what we do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a wonderful day.